Hello, Belinda. Hi, Omar. Before we jump into this week's Gratitude Blooming theme, I just want to give a huge shout out to all of our listeners. We got the Spotify year-end wrapped, and it said, Your podcast was in the top 10% most shared globally. And it was just amazing to hear that. We had no idea, and it's just beautiful. This is a labor of love, and we're just putting out this content each week because it's something that we're passionate about. To be honest, trying to figure out how to create a business model around it to actually support it. So, But it's worth kind of continuing to figure out when we see the impact that it's having in the world. And for those of you that want to support our podcast... We invite you to go to gradsublooming.com and hit the podcast tab where we now have a place for you to donate uh, to support our listener driven podcast. And uh, there's a special gift that everyone is going to get just by donating whatever they can to contribute to this beautiful conversation that we have every single week. Buy us a boba. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> And while we're just shouting out our listeners, I wanted to say a lot of gratitude for Susie from San Francisco, who recently shared with us that she listens to our podcast every single week on her walk. And she's a yoga teacher. And sometimes she listens to the podcast multiple times to just digest the practices the inspiration from the art and the theme. And that's what she uses to structure her yoga classes every week. So that was just such an inspiring story to hear from someone who literally doesn't just listen to the podcast every week, but listens to one episode multiple times. <laughs> we appreciate all the listens, however they come. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So what is this week's gratitude blooming theme? Mm, it's one of my favorite illustrations. It's card number 25, the orchid representing mystery. And it's a wonderful card. I love the original art just because it was one of the few paintbrush pieces. And it's got sort of, to me, the kind of the classic Asian black ink paintbrush style that reminds me of my grandmother but now it also has this lilac half moon circle shape balancing it out and what's the prompt to help us sort of dive into this art even more can you embrace the unknown and be grateful for the mysteries in life we're going to actually try something new for this episode by involving you, our listeners, into this gratitude exploration, like much like we, what we do for the circles. So Omar, Arlene, and I are going to just look at this new remix of the mystery card with the purple half circle underneath behind the dark orchid ink drawing. And we're just going to invite you all to just sit with that image or just your connection to the orchid or even the color purple or the circle shape. And so I'm curious what is coming up for each of you as you sit with that question of mystery represented by the orchid. 
I came to the podcast today feeling very empty. I usually feel like some message is coming through that wants to come through the plant. And this today, for some reason, it just, it, it feels spacious. It feels empty. Like I'm not really, maybe it's silence, to be honest. Maybe the silence is coming through. But, you know, when I do look at the drawing again, which I haven't done in a long time, I haven't really looked at this. I mean, I remember just how magical it was to create this drawing. It's like it really happened in probably one stroke. It was like one stroke of of touch, really. And I can't even really remember how the details were were made. So it's uh, quite a mysterious drawing to me. And when I look at it, that's what I remember. I love how this orchid, the way that it's depicted with the kind of an ink blot feeling, invites me to explore the darkness. And, you know, in this hemisphere, I've been noticing how every day we lose a little bit more light. And literally, it's like 4pm and and it's getting dark. And so I'm like, oh, we're descending into winter solstice in a couple weeks. And it's it feels like this time to really honor the darkness, you know, so much of the plants, we talk about movement towards the light. And I love this invitation from the orchid almost saying like, come into the darkness. You know, what do you see from this place of being blindfolded in the unknown? And uh, yeah, it, there's something very provocative about it. Like, can I be open to not knowing and just feeling my way, the wayfinding of mystery and there's something that feels kind of exciting about it. Whereas like in real life, sometimes I feel like I have a hard time with not knowing and I want to grasp for the answer. And this, this orchid's like, no, look at how beautiful it is to be sitting with the not knowing. <laughs> you know, Arlene, you said something about details and Belinda, you said something about like darkness and descending. And so then all of a sudden that half circle started to look like a D for me and details and darkness and descending. And my daughter's like, it sounds like many people in the world are watching the new Netflix show Wednesday. And there's this great line that just captured my imagination. And it was, you know, one of the, the characters, she sort of wears like all black and she's sort of sort of an out sort of a misfit. And one of the teacher tells her the most interesting plants grow in the shade. And it's like you said, Belinda, we often orient towards like the sunflower and how it faces the sun. But what are the interesting plants that actually can thrive in the shade? And so it's just I, I love that invitation to sort of what can thrive in the shade. So listeners, as you're kind of digesting this, you're welcome to just pause and just think for yourself. What does mystery mean to you through this orchid? And if you can't see it on the screen, um, you're all, all the plants are on the Gratitude Booming uh, website as well. We're excited to have this now on our homepage where you literally can scroll to the bottom of our homepage and click on each card and just read the story and see this new remixed art. And it's so timely that we have this theme and this illustration uh, to go with our guest because our guest has actually written a book 
that is trauma informed and really invites us into our shadow. So Omar, I'd love for you to introduce Jorel and how you got connected before um, we share some of his story and in, in connection with mystery. So Jorel and I were introduced through Southern California grant makers, and I was given the honor of interviewing him for the community. And you know, I just immediately was captured by his gentle but generous and open spirit. And I just, I like, he's a therapist by training, but he also, I just feel like, comes to the conversation with just sort of a fresh perspective. And it's sort of, I don't feel like it's business as usual. And even when he did the interview with us, he said, hey, can I do this audio only? I've been trying to minimize the number of on-screen sort of sort of conversations I'm having. And I just, I loved him just sort of naming what he needed. You know, sometimes you sort of think of professionals as like, okay, they can manage all the things. Well, partly why they can manage all the things is, is they create the boundaries that are necessary for them to be their best selves. And so, you know, he's just a beautiful soul and human being. Uh, and it was a delight to have the conversation with him. So here's what Joel says when he's looking deeply at the orchid. I'm looking at this. One of the things that comes up for me is this idea of perspective. And I say that because I'm looking at this drawing and I'm thinking about this stem and sort of like where it fits into the picture. And it's just making me consider how far away or how close the stem is. How is it even connected to this actual piece or is it part of a bigger picture that I just can't see? And, and so I'm thinking about that perspective and mystery and sort of exploring what I might be missing. I'm just curious as you're exploring this orchid and perspective and this question of what I might be missing, how does that feel? For me generally, I don't like feeling confused or missing things. So there's a little bit of like a little bit of discomfort, there's a little bit of urgency and pressure to know and to figure out and to kind of have almost like the right answer, which is like is a theme for me in, in terms of something that I've continued to try and allow myself the space to figure things out more and release some of that pressure. And and that I mean sort of reaffirming the the beauty of being in the moment between knowing and not knowing between understanding and not understanding and trying to appreciate appreciate that mystery right and appreciate what is right now as opposed to some sort of outcome or understanding that I've yet to arrive to such a great reflection of all the feelings that come up with uncertainty and not knowing and just 
describing the feelings themselves without even interpreting them. And, and then it's just, why do we have all those feelings that come up? And, you know, we've been talking a little bit about us as part of the API Asian diaspora. And I don't know, but I, I feel like there was a need to always have the answer. And I remember, and I think I've shared this before, that my uncle, when I was a kid, used to tell me, Omar, think before you talk. And it was sort of just ingrained in me in this feeling of like, think before you talk. And I, I always felt then the pressure I've had to, I had to have the right answer when I then opened my mouth. And I didn't have the permission to feel before I talk, to just acknowledge that maybe I don't know something and the uncertainty. And, and then that sort of drove a culture of like overachievement, right? And it's just like, what is that sort of, sort of, push to have to succeed in everything i i'm just really struck by how Jorel speaks and the way that his pace is helping me kind of slow down and notice even more and it almost feels like in order to receive that wisdom of the mystery and being safe in that mystery of not having to say the answer that you think people need to hear or you want to know it's it almost is this like we got to slow our pace down to be able to receive that and I so appreciate Omar what you shared I can really relate to that as well and it goes back to what you're saying all the time now is like what would it be like if we were invited to feel more and think less and be able to say in this moment this is what I'm feeling without it having to be definitive or be the anchor or the pillar of who you are. It can just be in this moment. This is what it is for me. And how do we create safety to just do that? You know, cause I, what I'm hearing what you're, you and what you're saying is there wasn't that safety at all, like from a young age. No, it was definitely not encouraged to acknowledge what I don't know. And it just wasn't part of the culture, mm. family culture. What's beautiful is a lot of these conversations are bringing us back to childhood. And uh, Jorel shares about himself and his identity from when he was a little boy. And when you listen, you know, you can really he- feel how did that, who he was as a little boy, influence who he is as a man, a therapist, someone that holds space for others. I... I grew up as a very sensitive young boy and that really wasn't exciting to a lot of people around me. Um, it also made me just very different. And I mean, sensitive in so much of the, both in the emotional piece, but also I think in the physiological sense, but just sort of like always kind of had these really strong antennas and sort of tapped into my environment and spaces and people in what I felt was like a very intense way and didn't really understand that for many years. And I think through sort of my own work, I got better at recognizing that like, that's fine. That's valid. That's okay. Maybe that's great. And, and so since sort of coming to terms with sort of like, maybe this is really great. Maybe this is, an asset 
there's also then the next level is sort of the embodiment of that and using that and showing up as that in spaces. And so not being afraid to, especially I am a black biracial man. I have dark skin and I'm not a, I'll say like, I'm not a tiny person. So there's so many assumptions and there's an impact of me also in spaces physically. Also my voice sounds how it sounds. It's kind of round and deep, but kind of warm to most people. And so it's to show up and honor sort of this, the parts of myself that maybe aren't so typical of that, that are more sensitive that I easily cry <laughs> and letting that show up in the spaces and in whatever space that is, acknowledging things that I find to be very endearing or cute. Like I really love cute things. I have a very cute dog. I like, I actually like teddy bears. I don't have a large collection, but I have a collection. I like cute things as much as I like really like macabre things too. And so it's sort of like creating the space to acknowledge those things a bit more publicly. And I think model the sort of the sensitivity that people like me, people who look like me can have access to. And yeah, I think that's a lot of the, a lot of what I'm sort of working through in a lot of my communication, both like interpersonally, but also like more broadly as I write more and, and speak more and do other things, sort of like letting those pieces show up and show through. I love how he demonstrated so much vulnerability in that part of the conversation. I mean, I like soft teddy bears too, but I don't feel like I often share that <laughs> with others in a public space. <laughs> it's really nice when, for me to be able to hear the conversations because I'm usually not present when you guys are interviewing and um, just brought a big smile to my face. I mean, just a, he's very descriptive, like his words kind of paint a picture. So there's a little bit of I feel like you often call me the artist, but, you know, a lot of these guests and, you know, the two of you as well are artists. And I just felt transported into like a dream world, like imagining Jarrell from, you know, just his own words. I appreciate the the focus on embodiment. And, you know, and I think part of what you're describing, Arlene, is he's so embodied that he can be so clear on who he is and how he's showing up and how he's being perceived because he's very aware of everything that he is feeling and how that is probably being transmuted into the world. And, and so often like that to me is that's the distinction, right? Between belonging and fitting in, right? Belonging is just you get to be who you are and welcome as you are, whereas fitting in is like something you have to like adjust something about who you are, right? And so much as sometimes that's like a physical adjustment. Like, like I'm a six foot three Asian-ish, you know, dude with a funny name. And like, I've always had to sort of confront like, Oh, where are you from? And I'd be like, Oh, I was born in San Francisco. Like, no, 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 like, where are your parents from? Like, oh, my dad's from Iowa, my mom was born in Sacramento. No, 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 like, where are you really, really from? And I, you know, I'd be like, oh, well, you know. And it's just like people have, like, an expectation of, like, who you're from and how you're supposed to sort of be. And so it's been 
this dialogue of how we can just be ourselves as we are. And what I appreciate about his story is, you know, as a child, the em- being an empath, which I can also relate to, and I know us as a team, we're each very, you know, energetically sensitive. Superheroes, their greatest gift is also the thing that is their shadow, you know, and, and with him, he's like, I'm an antenna and I feel so many things and it makes me different and people sense that I'm different. And, and then here he is over time, he grows into this adulthood where he now professionally holds space for so many people. And it's like, what a beautiful way to turn that gift and, and work with that shadow of being too sensitive to then being in tune to the energy of the spaces that he's holding uh, and really unpacking, like, what does that mean? And so in this part of his journey, Jarrell's going to share about his work as a therapist and what does it mean to hold space? Part of the journey as a therapist, which is what I spend most of my working hours doing and waking hours as well. Sort of doing that work is helping people understand themselves more, probably at its core, is what I do. And so I think I've been conscious of how to create that space for people, but I think it's also just an ongoing process of exploring all the different ways in which people need that space created, right? And how that changes and differs from person to person. And from moment to moment, and I think that's one of the things I love most about doing the work that I do is it requires a lot of flexibility and to be emotionally nimble and recognizing all those little moments of, oh, does this person feel safe here? Because safety is often something that we need in order to be vulnerable, right? It's one of the fears of vulnerability is that. Once you become vulnerable, then something stronger will hurt you. And so I always think about the idea of security and safety for people. And in whatever moment, how can we create that for that particular person? Because sometimes that looks different than what I would prefer personally. For me, it's just like I need space, space and time to feel safe. So I need things to slow down. I need quiet, I need stimulation down so much. I need to be able to take a beat to like, okay, what, what just happened? What am I feeling? Okay. Now, what do I want to do with that? I think I'm always learning how to help other people do that. I love the balance between vulnerability and security. And, you know, in, in our conversation, I remember sharing one of my favorite quotes from Ifu Tuan, place is security, space is freedom. We cling to the former and long for the latter. And it's just this constant sort of balance between finding that comfort zone where we find security, but also just that very human desire to find expression and freedom. And so how do we create enough Security that people can then go find that self-expression and freedom. And, you know, that's, you know, I think for, for those that are going to be interested, you know, he's got a book out 
called The Shadow Work, and it's a workbook, so it's really about the practice. And I think this is partly why he shares so clearly is because he's taken the time not only to have the experience, to hold the experience for others, but then to actually sort of like go through the methodical part of like, how do you unpack this for people to experience it on their own? So in the conversation, Omar, you ask a really great question, which is, you know, how do you then take this personal work to the collective and then the cultural context, which is, you know, different levels of the micro to macro, right? So we're going to um, hear from Jarrell just, okay, well, how do you think about space holding as a culture creator, which he also is through the book that he's written, the work getting disseminated in a larger context. If we would move this conversation a little bit from the personal to sort of the collective and say, like, what kind of cultural shifts do you think are necessary to help us create more room for that kind of sensitivity? Yeah, I think collectively, I think we need to take a step step back more often and focus less on creation and embrace the role of, like, the spontaneity of space and allowing for whatever to come to come. But you can't really do that if you are creating, right? When you're at least in my opinion, when you're creating, you are directing, you are influencing. And, and this is something I often say to clients that I work with is like, well, what could happen if there was just space and you just let whatever show up? Like, what could that, what could it be like to honor that and share that and reflect on that? And I think that that's something that could also be helpful collectively. Because especially I think in the age in which we live, it feels like everyone is focused on creating all the time for the feed, the social feeds, for, I don't know, a photo, creating the moment to capture in the photo, like so much of like creating the hot take for Twitter or, or whatever, like, you know, and I'm guilty of this, too. And it's just that, that idea of like, well, what if we step back from creation and left the space to do what space does, which is just reveal. And, and maybe that's what is, maybe it's scary for us collectively. Maybe that's what we're struggling with is not wanting to face what space will show us about ourselves, about our culture. So I'm, Catching up on my 365 Tao book, which is like a piece of Tao wisdom every day for 365 days. And earlier this week, it had this interesting sort of piece around control versus freedom. And it was sort of talking about like state control, like state trying to control everything and the tyranny of that. But it also talked about the tyranny of everyone trying to express everything and sort of the individualism that that sort of perpetuates. And so I, I, I love that he's sort of in some ways acknowledging that balance between like, look, expression is good. We in the United States and Western culture, there's like individualism, self-expression. Like It is like it feels like a fundamental right. But at the same time, how do we express 
with each other, right? So it's not just noise. And so what I hear him saying is really then part of of what we need to do is less doing in some ways and more space creating and just allowing things to unfold. And it's true. Like now it's like, I'm a content creator and it's like, I've got to like create content constantly. And, and I think this is, it's going to be fundamentally different. You know, I shared with you all a summary of gratitude blooming that I took a bunch of language that we've been working on and I dropped it into an AI bot and it spat out and, and you're like, oh, wow, this is a great summary. And it literally took 30 seconds. I didn't actually have to create anything. I just sort of was like, Boop, here's the AI and allow it to reflect. And so it's going to be, I think there's going to be some shifting of what expression looks like and how do we, to Jarrell's sort of words, embody that. And he is talking about it so much from the unknown, right? Like I, I can really resonate with his words and what the mission of gratitude blooming is, is holding space that feels safe where there is silence for things to emerge. So there is no outcome or agenda that we know is, you know, at the end of the the space or the session, or even in these podcast episodes, like, you know, Arlene, you're so good at naming, like what is real in the moment. It's like, we have no idea today every single week we have a a pillar like the theme and the plant to guide us but we have no idea where the conversation's going to go as we weave with the guest and their ideas of the world and and it is such a interesting way of talking about cultural change right like yes there are people that are instrumental in uh, dictating that path and where we're going but then so much is unknown and it's almost a, you know, it is kind of like the AI, right? It's mirroring back what's going on in the collective and it's responding to that. And I feel like he's highlighting that. That's the culture. We have to look at where we are and then see what, well, then where do we need to go? And it's this like two way street, right? Well, it's that dialogue and it's the edge walkers that we've talked about, right? The people who are pushing the edges and the boundaries not because they're creating more, but they're allowing more to unfold. And, you know, it's interesting. Spotify also sort of gave us a little bit of a profile of who our listener is. And they called our listener personality the time traveler. Your fans are audio time travelers. They seek out podcasts that are new to them, regardless of whether they're new to the rest of the world. And so I love that sort of time travel, that edge walking uh, invitation. Yeah, y'all are building this with us. <laughs> You're stepping into the unknown with us. So you can't um, have a conversation with someone like Jorel, who just wrote a book about embodiment and shadow and knowing yourself better, and not ask, well, what is it that you specifically do to create that space? I mean, I, I'm sure a lot of you hold space for people in your life, right? Whether it's professionally as a coach or as a leader or even just a good friend, this is a very relevant question. But how do you create the safety for vulnerability to happen? And here's what Jarrell shares. To invite the space and to invite the the potential sort of revealing and vulnerability, I think it's something like the idea of consent is not just about 
someone saying yes or no. It's about them really understanding, like, what is this space supposed to be about? What's the what's the point here? And like this where I want to invite us to have this kind of experience together. So I think about that sort of sort of giving people some structure along with that sort of offering. So I think I'd like to have a space where we can talk sort of maybe a bit more deeply about some of the things that are going on with each of us. I, or I want to hold space for you. How are you? Are you feeling up to that and sort of getting that having that moment? I also think that because we are such social beings and to reinforce the idea of the mutual disclosure as being also critical in securing safety and creating that space. And it doesn't mean that you have to have the same experience that you think someone's going through, but I find that disclosure is one of those ways in which we can benefit from the idea of the mirror, right? And sort of say, like, help this person see themselves in us, because I think that helps create the space in which they can acknowledge they are not isolated, they are not alone. So if we can share bits of ourselves that we feel safe sharing or comfortable enough to share, it can also create, it helps create, co-create that space of vulnerability and openness for, for people. Yeah, and I think the other thing I'd offer is just allowing allowing the person to, if you're supporting someone, allowing the person to share and inviting them to share what really works for them during and or after this sort of like in their period of growth, their period of exploration, right? Do they, what helps them feel good? What could you do to help them feel good in their process? How could you support them and trying to honor that the best that you can? I think sometimes we get really busy and complicated about like, oh, I think this is what this person needs and I'll do all these things. I really want to show them how much I support them. And sometimes the thing they really want or need is very simple. Sometimes it maybe is just you sitting next to them or putting a hand on their shoulder. I feel like we get to sit next to each other each week and sort of reflect what's happening in real time without expectation of resolution you know, and I think that you know when we hold spaces you know we say three things your inner teacher is your best guide therefore there's no need to fix save or advise anyone and silence is a participant but I love that he added sort of like a fourth one which is it's also okay to mirror right and to be that sort of uh, reflection for someone and to kind of create that bridge of hey I can feel what you're sort of, at least through my lens, uh, potentially going through. So as we're heading into this time of year where there are so many opportunities to reflect collectively, you know, you might be in an end of year team meeting or a celebration or a personal gathering of friends and loved ones. I invite you to take for this week the practice of what Jarell is saying, creating the safe space for things to reveal themselves, for vulnerability to arrive. And frame the space, say, use his words, you know, I want to invite us to have a deeper experience together. 
Is that okay with you? And you can take from the gratitude blooming cards a prompt that is really speaking to you and having everyone share about that. Or maybe it's a prompt that comes up for you that feels meaningful as the third object for the conversation. And just play with that idea of, you know, what can we learn from each other when we hold space for the unknown, for no outcomes, just the place of deep listening and understanding for those narratives to emerge. Beautiful invitation and beautiful conversation. And this is all part of the beautiful world that our hearts know is possible. Thank you for joining us. Check out in the links below more about Jarrell, his book, the Gratitude Blooming membership and ways to sort of support what we're doing and creating space in the world. Go to gratitudeblooming.com for more. Thank you so much. Cheers. Cheers.